Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm getting to interview a really, really good friend of mine, uh, Ryan Delamater. Uh, he actually is my pastor at this point. Uh, church is 60 miles away from my house. I don't get to show up real often, but uh, love being there. And so, Ryan, uh, you're, you're the leader of something called Ocean Water Church. That's an odd name for a church. Uh, tell us where the name came from, what you guys are trying to do, the overall vision. Yeah, thanks, Ralph. So Ocean Water is uh, <clears throat> both the name, uh, the mission, and the methodology. And so, uh, and what I mean when I say that is uh, the, the, the mission is to uh, help us to convert uh, ocean water into uh, drinking water for people. So this is a calculated um, kind of sort of bet on our end that uh, in the future that uh, people much more than they are now will be sourcing their water uh, from the ocean. So there's an opportunity there for us to, uh, to do that uh, and provide it at a price point of zero. You know, a lot of people don't understand that in, that inflation acts uh, as a tax on the poor. So that's one of the things that we're able to protect people against, not only securing their long-term water rights, but also to protect their access at a price point of zero. So that's really fun. Uh, and then it's also the methodology and we are able to uh, install these systems. There's 108, 108 countries of the world that have uh, direct ocean access. And uh, traditionally the, the church has done a poor job planting in these areas, but mostly for cultural reasons. So what we do is we provide um, access to ocean water and then we use that access point as a, as a place to develop relationships and start, start a local church. So that's, that's what we're working on. So uh, I know that you got a couple projects in, in the hopper right now, and you've done one. Uh, yeah. Tell us about that. You know, just where, where's the vision going to take you guys in terms of, you know, physical locations? So we're based in San Clemente, California, and we meet uh, in a coffee shop, and that's been wonderful. And what's been nice about that is as we grow, we, we have intentionally from the jump decided that we are going to keep hiving off. Uh, every time we get to, you know, maybe 60 or 70 or 80. So we've done this already now a few times. So we also have, uh, the, the plan is to expand our network of coffee shop uh, churches. But with each of those new churches that we start in another coffee shop, they adopt a site in one of these 108 countries of the world where they go on a trip, they install a system and start another church. Now, this was born out of our five years of work that we've done in El Salvador. And from 2015 to 2020, we sent over 120 people to El Salvador to develop our own uh, small-scale solar-powered decentralized uh, desalinization uh, system. So now we're now taking the lessons from that entire process and planting a church. We've done all, nearly everything wrong. <laughs> so we're hoping to take all of those lessons now and, and be able to apply them more, more correctly in a more fruitful manner so that we can multiply uh, church planting faster. So you, you're this summer, you're going to a couple other countries? We have like three teams, three different trips heading down to El Salvador uh, to, to train people there, to show them uh, what we're doing. And then we're going to uh, go to Indonesia in September. That trip has 18 people on it already and the system is paid for, it's in Jakarta. And then we're gonna be taking uh, 12 people to Bangladesh in, in December. And then after we um, have accomplished uh, El Salvador and Indonesia and Bangladesh complete with uh, 
water data collection from our systems so that we can show people the, the water that we're aggregating daily to our website. That will then begin to expand further in, into other places that we've been asked to go, but we were, we're waiting to go to. Yeah. So one of the things that as I hear you talk sort of stands out to me is that each church you start and you're we'll get into that in a little bit talking about planting churches but each church you start adopts a nation so each church becomes in effect a missions agency is that correct that's the hope yeah that that's the hope that's the intention that's the design that's the architecture yes so i know the vision for this thing got a hold of you uh when you took a long bicycle ride and um and, 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 it, and, and it sent you back to school. You ended up with a, a doctorate. Um, you worked for a large church. Tell, tell, tell us your journey to where you are right now. Well, the wheels fell off for me in, in 2007. I went through a terrible divorce. It was entirely my fault. And uh, that was uh, the bottom. And uh, I went to, uh, I went to uh, school to do a degree in counseling uh, for myself. Uh, and then uh, when I finished that, I, I rode uh, a bicycle, uh, my bicycle across Canada from uh, Port Hardy on Vancouver Island uh, over to St. John's, Newfoundland. That was 6,270 miles, but I was still screwed up. So I had to keep riding and uh, keep healing. And then I rode across the U.S. and, and down into uh, in Central America and to Panama. And then, and then my ride concluded in Colombia and and. A lot of that ride was was for healing and 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 trying to just heal from from self sabotage and a bunch of other things and and I, but on that ride uh, a friend of mine encouraged me to use my my social media posts to to draw attention to to an NGO that was doing some some work in Fiji and I said sure I'll do that so I called my ride ride for water and. Um, Unbeknownst to me, that that bicycle ride generated about twenty thousand dollars in donations, and uh, we used those donations to go to. Um, so I finished my ride, and then I was asked by that NGO to uh, to partner with the Fijian government in, in two thousand twelve. So we took a team there, and and uh, we took a magazine. They did a write up, and we we partnered with the government to install these filters in one hundred and thirty six homes in two villages, and then and then. The, I thought, you know, I'm so interested in this. I, I want to go and learn more. So I did a doctorate in public health with a, with an emphasis in, in water policy. And as I was, uh, uh, I was living in San Diego at the time, and I was uh, working at a coffee shop and coaching surfing and loving life and, and, and finishing my, my doctorate. And um, a friend of mine who had, who had been uh, a youth pastor and still is a pastor at, at Saddleback Church, uh, he's been there for 25 years and he, he called me and said, Hey, um, would you like to be uh, a youth pastor at, at Saddleback? And, and, um, I jokingly said, um, well, uh, I'm going to be 40. And, um, I had just met Maria who I'm married to now. And we were actually getting married in a few days. I said, well, uh, I'm 40 years old and I'm getting married again on, on Saturday. And when I get married, I'm actually going to become a grandfather. So what I want to know is, was I your first call? <laughs> so we had a we had a big laugh about it. He he never answered that question, so that that was that's probably a tell. But uh, anyways, I, I I ended up moving to San Clemente, and I was on staff at Saddleback Church for 
three and a half years. I had actually written a, a proposal, like a 20 page proposal to do what I'm doing now to do it there. But through, through a few year process, actually, uh, I went to 26 meetings over a 24 month period, uh, trying to figure out a way to do this, but they felt like it would be better if I was able to be in a more entrepreneurial environment uh, and, and with, with uh, the ability to make quick decisions with little liability versus uh, uh, slower decisions because there's a lot of liability and the larger an organization gets the more liability they have. So based on all of that, I, I left with their blessing, you know, Tom, Tom Holiday and Shondell, you know, they, they prayed for Maria and I in our line and gave, gave us their blessing to do this. And so I, I liquidated my retirement. I had uh, 60 days of money and, and I, and I went all in. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> so you, you're, um, you're, you're kind of, you raise funds, you raise yes. support, but yes. the guys that you've been sending out don't raise support. They're, they're bivocational or freelance pastors. And you kind of focus on, on coffee shops. And one of the things that I notice is Southern California <clears throat> and near the beach, uh, pretty much everybody that, that we're involved with is in the surf culture one way or another. Mm, yeah. Um, so talk to us a little bit. There, there are people sitting around right now that are listening to us and they're going, you know, how do I do this? I, I, I mean, you, you, you make it sound so easy. Uh, it can't be. But I think it is. So tell us about that. Give us the ins and outs and ups and downs. If there's if there's bad stuff, tell us the bad stuff along with the good stuff. Well, one of the advantages of getting older is you know yourself, and part of it is I've surfed since I was a kid. And uh, for all the jokes about California and the taxes and, and and et cetera, and all of the people leaving, well, the people that stay are the people that like the beach. So. And the people that like the beach like surfing and they really like it. And so um, that gives us an advantage when we go to do when we go to do international church planting, because people are happy and already accustomed to do to, to traveling for surfing. So when we explain to people that they're, that they're able to use their their traveling and their surfing to actually help people get their water from the very thing that they're playing in and plant a church, uh, people are, are really receptive to that. So that, that's really helpful, but that's a little, that's one of the little cultural understandings that, that helps us for a long time. I thought surfing was sort of this, this throwaway thing that yeah. it like didn't help me at all in my life. It was almost like this, but it did, it has. You yeah. know, one of the things that, that I keep yammering on about in, in this whole thing about microchurch, cause I, you know, I'm coaching guys, how to, how to launch microchurches, how to see uh, an existing an older, you know, legacy church. Uh, as, a, as a platform for launching micro churches is that, that what we're missing are the subcultures around us. You know, Jesus said, go and make disciples of the nations. And the, the word that he used was the ethne, which is the plural of ethnos. And, mm. you know, we get ethnicity out of that. And so he wasn't talking nation states, but I don't think he was even talking uh, racial. I, I don't think he was even talking language groups that expands it. A lot further when you start talking about all the language groups in the world i think he's talking about all the people groups and you know there's surfers there's skaters uh we're doing a a, a micro church in honolulu that's just busting right now with guys coming out of prison they're a subset i used to have guys come to our church because i would i was on the radio at nine o'clock at night when nobody's listening that's not in jail 
um, I, I did three radio broadcasts a day of the same thing on, but, and so the 9 PM one was a freebie. They, they threw at us because we paid for the drive time. And so these guys would hear me in jail. They'd come out of jail, come to our church, but we're middle-class. We're, we're extremely multi-ethnic, but we're middle-class and guys that, that come out with prison tattoos all over their bodies. And I mean, guys that got F you on their eyelids and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And so one of our guys finally started a church for these people. We, we, we had a, a, a sidewalk church for homeless people. And it, when the police would come and break up the encampment, guys would have to go find their congregation again because people tend to move in groups. And so they'd be in some new neighborhood camping out. And, and you know, and there were extremely rich people. The only guy I ever tried to proselyte in my life was the former president of the biggest bank in Hawaii. And he was going to a nearby church. Pastor was a friend of mine. I, I wanted him in our church because I knew he could start a micro church in his house or in somebody's house, a half mile from our church where he lived, where all the wealth was, but those wealthy people weren't coming to hear me on Sundays, but they, because they'd strangle into our church and not fit. They, we were too middle-class. We didn't have the same values that they did. So you got these little pockets of people, all kinds of pockets of people. You've tapped into a, 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 a subculture and you've done it really effectively and i'm hoping that whoever's listening to this in kansas city is is not thinking about surfers they're thinking what can i learn from this guy talking about surfers because there's people around me that are unreached and how do i get to them but i want you to talk about a little bit the mechanics of your your one of your sub goals is starting churches in coffee shops across the country because coffee shops are open, there's no rent, um, to, you know, enlighten us. Well, um, I've worked at several in my life. And a few years ago, it clicked to me that, wow, these are essentially spaces and places that are very much already a church, but they don't have a pastor. Uh, and what I mean when I say that is they have this um, hundreds of people that like it. Uh, they, they're passionately enthusiastic about the localism of it. Um, they're, uh, they have nice, you know, nice facility and had many of the characteristics. So um, that had, that seed had kind of been planted in my mind a, a few years ago, just, just sort of through experience. But then also, you know, um, this past year has taught us that that we will need to rethink conventional ways of of um, of, of meeting, and uh, most of that is almost directly tied to economics, as it's always been. And so now we um, we're experiencing great economic strain, and so we'll, we'll need to rethink how to meet. And so one of one of the places that we can do that. Um, it are these uh, coffee shops. There are, there are 35,000 specialty coffee shops in the United States. Most of them uh, close before dinner. And you have people in the community that really like them and have an affinity for them and, uh, and have a favorable, favorable disposition already to that space. That gives us a real, a real advantage. Um, and then we, yeah, and Ralph, you, you know this because you've been a part of this conversation, but we've now developed a way to, um, to incentivize it for the local business in the, in the form of tax credits for the hours that they let you meet there. So now you uh, give, the, give the business, the local business a financial incentive to actually have you there. Well, isn't that ironic? 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, so there, there's a lot of factors for, for why I really like it. And I also really enjoy uh, how easy it is to find a coffee shop, to have some tacos, to have some coffee and some worship. You can have a really great church with 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 people with a really great spirit. And um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. One of the things that I think is, is important that we would say here is um, when, when you meet in the coffee shop, you, you don't meet on Sunday morning because the coffee shop's full, doing great business on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the problems with church that I see is that we get so, so stuck on Sunday mornings. Nothing in the Bible that says you have to meet on Sunday morning. That's just a cultural overhang from the Middle Ages. And, mm. um, and, and you guys have broken the mold. We did that in Kobe, Japan, very, very well. Biggest church in Kobe, Japan, Protestant church. Uh, was one that we did that met on, at 4.30 and again at 7 o'clock on Sunday afternoon and evening. Uh, yeah. so, when, so when do you guys meet? Um, oh, well, we've met on Wednesday nights. We've met on uh, Tuesday nights. We've met on Saturday nights. We've met on Sunday nights. We're actually now going all back to Tuesday nights for some strategic reasons. But, you know, when, once you once you study church history a little bit, you, you basically understand that church meeting times are, are almost completely arbitrary and uh, people have an arbitrary time that they have a cultural preference to, and then they attach a Bible verse on top of it. And that's, um, we, we should get away from that. Um, those are just our, our arbitrary cultural preferences. But what is important is that you meet somewhere at some time. <laughs> well, you know, the, Jesus said what he did about new wineskins. And I actually uh, wrote about this in and a blog that I did this week, it, it, it never dawned on me. I've always heard, you know, I preach sermons about, you know, send revival. The, the, you know, it's the, it's the new wine of the spirit. But that's not what the Bible says. I went and did a word study on wine because I was so mistaken. The, the, the whole deal was in, in, in Mark, Matthew, and Luke, because they're written in that order, that you, you hear this uh, same story. Uh, Jesus, some guy comes to be healed and Jesus forgives his sins first. So Jesus cares about sinners. Then he calls Matthew. He doesn't invite him. He demands and he, and he, and he invites himself to Matthew's house for dinner. And he's eating with these people that the Bible calls sinners. The Pharisees call sinners. And uh, the Pharisees are the ones who want to stick to religious traditions. And they're all upset with Jesus. And then he, he, he pops back with new wine and new wineskins. And you know what the new wine were those quote sinners that were hanging out with matthew and uh one, one of the problems with people who good christian people who are caught up in traditions is if god does send revival and it usually means he sends a whole bunch of people into the church that are distasteful to you who want to upset your traditions and, and it's true that the people who pray the hardest for revival never recognize it when it comes mm. and so one of the things that i've noticed about churches like yours that are willing you know because you, you guys kind of started out your sunday morning service was taco tuesdays in the coffee shop um, yeah. free tacos for everybody I, that's wonderful to me and <laughs> that ticks off the pharisees among us but you don't want them in your church anyway you're you're there for the people that you're trying to bring to jesus who are the new wine that we're looking for and so new wine that skin that you've created or the new wine that you're that you're seeking it's a great great thing 
Well, thanks for the encouragement. I mean, and, and I wouldn't, for me personally, I wouldn't say it, um, it, it ticks me off. I would just say that, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been to plenty of churches that, that if, if someone came to my church and didn't like it, I would be okay with that because I've been to plenty that I didn't like yeah. and that's okay. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it just, just find one you like. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah just find one you like and and uh i think that uh we need to create more spaces and more places and encourage innovation and encourage creativity yeah. and so um one of the things i'm noticing now you know i'm in my mid-40s and um but what i'm what i'm seeing happen now is is because we've uh, been willing to to meet in different spaces and places. Now there's younger people that are actually, uh, which is what which was one of my prayers. And I have like people that are half my age that are saying, you know, how can I do this? Yeah. And can I be a part of? That's a great compliment. You know that I'm really stoked about that. And they're doing it. And talk talk about we're about to to wind down here, so be kind of quick, but. Tell us about the coffee shop churches that you've planted in, I mean, you, how long has, how long has ocean water been going and then how many churches have you put out and how easy has it been to do this? So we've been going about a year and a half and, and uh, including COVID and, but, but right before COVID, I think you and Ruby were actually at church the one of the last times we had it a year ago. And that night we, we were full and the, the guy that led our bands, a guy named Steve Martinez. And I said, okay, well, the coffee shop's full. I, I feel like you're ready. Why don't you take, why don't you take the band and whoever will go with you and, and go over to Dana Point or San Juan Capistrano and start another church, which, which they have. And, and um, he said, well, what do I call it? And I said, well, call it whatever you want. I don't care. If you want somebody to be the parent of something, you don't, you don't get to name their child. <laughs> and so, so he, they, they chose to call it Waves. But then he said, but I want to call it an ocean water ministry, which I thought was That's like cool. a, lo a loving, you know, nice. And how old is Steve? Steve's 24 years old. Steve and his wife are very successful. Steve's 24 years old. Him and his wife make a lot of money. That's beautiful. So there's one. We've also started one in, um, in uh, Ocean Beach at OB Beans. Um, we've also uh, now have one going up in, uh, up in Costa Mesa with someone who's sort of wanted to be affiliated with us like i said well sure that's wonderful and um and then we uh we have one in el salvador we have someone from san clemente that it already has this plane ticket bought and is moving to argentina to start ocean water there uh we're doing indo in um september and bangladesh in december so the end of the year we should have uh eight churches in in five countries that's so cool yeah. I just want to say thank you for taking the time to be with us. And if somebody wants to know more, how can they contact you? Uh, simple. Our website, uh, ocnwtr.com, oceanwater.com. And uh, love to help you any way that I can. Um, I'd just whatever that means, love, love to help. Great. Thanks a lot.